Hello, welcome to Deprogram with Carrie Smith. You are watching a live episode of Pop Culture with Mystery Chris. Hello, Mystery Chris. How are you? Howdy, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. I didn't even check. Oh, oh no. <laughs> my, oh. Sounds like there's a dog fight going on in the back. My housemate just got home. I'm sorry. <laughs> take it. You take it away. <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to a live episode of Pop Culture, where we're talking about Saturday Night Live today and all of its wonderful and terrible glory. So looking forward to exploring that. That was great. That was an excellent. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, you have to do the intro. <laughs> uh, just a couple of announcements before we talk about Saturday Night Live. Last night, I got to be on Geeks and Gamers, which I know you like that yeah. show. And they were so much fun. It was fun hanging out with them. And it, we talked a lot about the Oscars. So, at the, at the, But it was super interesting. And they actually they played that clip also that we had played um, uh, on a on a Carpeffy break. And then what, what else is coming up? So Geeks and Gamers was, was last night. Oh, Friday night. I'm going to be on Friday Night Tights. So if you guys are fans of that show, tune in. I'm going to actually be uh, in the Poconos with Chrissy Mayer. She's got uh, doing a content house. So that's also this weekend. I'm losing track of time because there's <laughs> a lot of things coming up. <laughs> but uh, it should be a fun Friday night. And then also we have a Locals now. We have a subscribe start now and we have a Patreon now. So if you like the show, you can support it in those ways. And we are going to be doing a film club in the locals. So uh, check it out. You can learn locals with us. Even Mystery Chris is learning things. I saw that you've done four tweets now. I know. And I, I don't know how I did it. You know, it's funny. I was joking with a friend. I was telling him how we were talking about Saturday Night Live on this episode. And I was talking, uh, I brought up one of the skits. Uh, Phil Hartman used to do a skit called uh, Frozen Caveman Lawyer, where he's a cave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Frozen. And he, <laughs> he'd always use the excuse to be like, I don't know what cell phones are. I was just unfrozen. And that's what I kind of feel like sometimes with technology. I'm like, oh, I just tweeted. What is this? Uh. <laughs> You make me feel like I know a lot about it, so that's good. I'm like, oh, I'm not such a Luddite around you. Anyway. Well, speaking of that, that sketch, tonight, you guys, and, and hey to everyone in the chat, we're just going to talk about Saturday Night Live. We've been wanting to do this for a while and, and sort of ask what happened um, because it's, it's not the show that we grew up with. And even the show that we grew up with, like the 90s were great, but even before that, the seventies. I don't, did you watch when you were a kid, all the old, all the old ones I did my, uh, my video store had, you could buy the VHS tapes or you could rent the VHS tapes with all the different actors from the seventies. And so I would just take home like Gilda Radner or the best of Bill Murray or the best of Martin short. And that was really the golden era of Saturday Night Live. Did you grow up on those or just the nineties? Uh, no, I grew up uh, watching uh, the syndicated uh, 70s and 80s. With, you know, my mom would show me ones with John Belushi and Bill Murray and then Eddie Murphy. And I absolutely love those. You know, I love Mr. Bill. Uh, <laughs> I loved and John Belushi's basically all the characters John Belushi played. Eddie Murphy was hilarious, which we're definitely going to talk about a little bit later. But yeah, those uh, 
definitely a big part of my childhood and really big part of my humor. Because when I think about like all the things that influenced me, it's a lot of shows, sketch comedy shows like Saturday Night Live and Lemon Color, Kids in the Hall, uh, scripted stuff like The Simpsons, you know, all these things that these shows and movies that did satire right, which we can't seem to do. People can't seem to do these days. In Living Color, mm-hmm. you show me a lot of those old clips. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about it on a future episode, too. Living yeah. Color is great. Yeah. Cole, can you pull up that first article? I just want to put some numbers to this about what, what's happened to SNL. This is pretty sad. So this is an article from The Wrap. Uh, wait, scroll up to the top. Let me just get the title on this one. Thank you, sir. SNL, 40, inside the, the NBC sketch shows, roaring ratings, highs, and looming lows. So if you scroll down, they have a couple of Nielsen ratings here. And wait, where is it? Is it the right one? I think you might have to make it a little bit larger. Let me get close to the screen. <laughs> okay, here we go. According to Nielsen's most current metric, which includes live plus seven-day numbers where available as you read this, Saturday Night Live is experiencing its lowest rated season ever in the main demo. And it's not that close either with the season to date 2.7 average failing a full three tenths of a ratings point beneath 2006, 2007s and 2007 to 2008's 3.0 averages. And then scroll down a little more. That said, in the household, most current rating, the present time 40th season actually matches 2006 through 2007, each with a 4.6, and 2007 to 2008 would be the lowest rated year, averaging a 4.5. Plus, the season isn't over yet, and theoretically, SNL 40 could spark a ratings resurgence of sorts. Um, And then pull up that next article. The next one is the one I was thinking of. There's a chart, so we can go through and look at the decades. Hi, Nicole. Nicole gave us a super chat. She says, <laughs> SNL viewership down so far, it's going to have to start running telethons. <laughs> <love PBS." laughs> That's, That's true. <laughs> oh, okay, let's see. The top five rated seasons of SNL, 1979 to 1980 was the top. That was 13.5. Can you read through the rest of these real quick? I have to take care of this dog. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't, don't kill it. Carrie, no. Uh, 1978 through 79, 77 through 78, 80 through 81, and 92 through 93, which is a little surprising. I believe 1980, 81 was the first season without the original cast, because I believe the beginning part of 1980 was the last time they were together. And then 1980 through 81, I want to say... I, I think I could be wrong, but I, th- I think that's when the decline began, which is why it seems odd. Maybe I have my I'm off a year, but I'm pretty sure that was 75 through 80. I think that was the prime years. And then they had like a lag. And then Eddie Murphy came on, I believe, in 81 and basically saved the show from cancellation. And he was on there for four years, but. It's really like two and a half because <laughs> he's all filling movies by the, towards the end of his uh, tenure there. And then they had the poor, the bad, one of the worst seasons ever. 
Uh, that was the one with, uh, I believe that was season one of Anthony Michael Hall and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, I forgot about Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, he was on there. Believe that. They were there when they had the 40th anniversary uh, a few years ago. Some I don't know if it was Rolling Stones or somebody did a list of like worst cast members, and number one on that list was Robert Downey Jr., which. I I think there's obviously worse people than him. I think they were just trying to go for you know some sensational headline or you know get people talking about it, which we're doing. But I I yeah he wasn't good. <laughs> he wasn't the Robert Downey Jr. that we know now. But there's there's a lot worse in my opinion. I've I've watched a lot of Saturday Night Live seasons, especially in recent years. So many people who only lasted. Few months on that show, we're never heard from again. But before we get into some of the controversial things on SNL, and and we're going to go through a list. If you guys brought your favorites, thank you, because we're going to go through a list of favorites at the end. But we're also going to go through a list before that of some of the worst, most woke crap that they're turning out today. <laughs> um, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is contributing? to the decline in the ratings? Cause it obviously started before, before woke got big. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I sometimes wonder how much of is it the writing versus the talent? Because I look at the shows they've had in the last few years and I think talent wise, it's not bad. I mean, there are some good performance on that show, but the writing just hasn't been consistent. They had a lot of strong writers in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, which I consider to be the golden years. I know a lot of people consider the first five years, but you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, you had Conan O'Brien writing, um, uh, which we call it. Um, Bob Odenkirk wrote Robert Smigel, who's the voice of Triumph the Insult, Comet Dog wrote Adam McKay. Uh, you had a lot of talent in that writer's room back then, and I just I don't think the writers are up to par, and I, I'm I'm not sure if just in general and comedy in general, which I, this ties into the previous show we, we, where we spoke about comedy and just how unfunny so much of the movies and shows are and just how poorly they can do satire. Because I think a lot of comedy, like, you know, Chris Rock, when he's not getting slapped, uh, and Dave Chappelle, they both had very excellent social commentary in their jokes. They They were able to portray things in a way or state things in a way that made you kind of see them from different position or made you go, okay, yeah, that, that is true of me. You know, you maybe certain things you didn't want to quite admit, you know, Chris Rock has a joke where he's like, you know, sexual harassment's only when an ugly man wants some. And I was like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just things like that. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of true. That's kind of true. You get and away so, with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I don't think like I was saying earlier that just, so much of the writing that, you know, some of the most classic skits, you know, you think about it are just really funny, you know, um, parodies or, or uh, satires. And I just, I don't think writers for, you know, we could speculate for a number of reasons, just they're, they don't measure up to, to the writing town that used to be uh, working for Saturday Night Live. I'm going to go ahead and speculate. Some <laughs> of it is they've started instituting the stuff that we've seen going on in, in other areas, like, the vice presidential nominee mm -hmm. where they've they're saying up front we're going to hire x amount of 
of, of women or X amount of black people. And they're, oh, you're saying women are not funny, Carrie. <laughs> no, I'm saying pick, <laughs> pick the funniest people. And that way you, you've always got the funniest people. And obviously there are going to be women in that room as well. But if you're trying to pick people for quotas, then you're not, you're not, then you're picking people for quotas for race and gender. You're not picking mm -hmm. them because they're the most talented people in the room. And you're also doing women a disservice because you're saying you don't have to be as funny. We're going to fill a slot with you. Right. And what right. if you are as funny, but now everyone looks at you in the room and you're, they're like, Oh, she, she got this job because she's a woman. Exactly. It, same thing with the Oscars and all the diversity. It, it makes you question like if a lot of these people getting nominated actually are talented or if they're just there because they satisfy some uh, checkbox. Yeah. So yeah, that, that might be a, a part of it. Uh, I, I know uh, back when Nora Dunn was on the show, she complained about sexism a lot. You know, I, I recently read a book on uh, Saturday Night Live and uh, I did, uh, there were some quotes by various female writers they've had through history, and a lot of them were talking about, you know, sexism. And I'm kind of at a point where there's so many false claims of sexism and sexual misconduct by women that it just kind of, I just get turned off by any claims <laughs> like sexism or sexual misconduct. I know it sucks because obviously there, yeah, there are going to be instances where that's true, but it's just there's so many just false cries of, you know, uh rape and other things yeah. that you're just like i just don't care just just shut up please yeah so, that's the other yeah. problem with this it's like the boy cried wolf so yeah. then when people actually face it i mean i saw when i worked i worked in a, a comedy a writer's room not as a writer but as a producer and i didn't see sexism in that room i probably I, if, if anything i saw reverse sexism <laughs> what they call reverse sexism. Hmm. <laughs> no, but but I've seen it in that world though. And I hesitate to ever like to say that sometimes because I don't want people to think it's just, you mm -hmm. know, though it's a woman being a victim again. You know? Uh, well, yeah, I definitely think it is. And uh when I was reading the book, I I forget if it's Jane Curtin or somebody, maybe it's one of the other female rights. Um, they were talking about how a lot of women who claim that uh there are sexism, there were sexism in the writer's room in Saturday Night Live back in the 70s and 80s and, and 90s. A lot of them maybe weren't used to the way guys behave, the type of humor. Uh, a lot of women maybe are not as competitive because Saturday Night Live is very competitive. You know, you always hear these stories about uh, people joining the cast and not being able to get on the show because people wouldn't either write a sketch for them or they couldn't get that they wrote into the show and so i think you know with that and kind of like what's going on today when there's so much talk about sexism towards women i think certain women will not give it all they'll they'll put stuff out there and then when they fail or get rejected they'll think it's because sexism, so they don't work to improve themselves. Yes. And so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I think that's another case maybe with a lot. And to your point with diversity hiring, you know, you're getting a lot, a lot of women who maybe who haven't spent the time crafting their skills and, and you know, getting, you know, really competitive with, you know, men. Uh, I, I think possibly that's a, a thing that shows, you know, maybe that's part of the reason. Yeah, I think also sometimes if you if you are uh, a similar age, 
as you and me, I think a lot of times you you ingested social justice in college and then you go out into the working world and if it's in entertainment or writing or, or performing, whatever, you're bringing that with you and that baggage is sort of telling you to always be looking for the sexism and the racism in the room. And so you're reading it into situations where it may not even be there. Right. It's just, you're kind of looking for it. Can Before we get into the controversial stuff on SNL, can I tell you an anecdote? Go ahead. Okay. This is a, uh, this is about, so when I, I uh, executive produced a show for FX called totally biased with W come out. Well, you know this. I'm saying in case the audience isn't. It was it was an explicitly social justice show. The star was a totally woke comedian that I represented. I was completely woke. All of the writers, we were, it was kind of unique. We were allowed to hire um, a lot of first-time comedy writers who who were comedians and friends of the host. And almost all of almost all of the writers were woke. Um, but our other executive producer was Chris Rock, and he he's not woke. He's he's of that a little bit older generation. And so there would sometimes be headbutting in the room over what kind of jokes were appropriate and what which jokes weren't. And there I mean, there was like some crazy screaming and fighting that happened sometimes. But one of the funny anecdotes is because he's Chris Rock, he could get away with things that these otherwise these these like younger people like myself, these these writers who are my age that the woke people, they wouldn't tolerate from anyone else except it's Chris Rock. So they would let him say it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine that kind of environment? And so I will always remember he came into the, he came into the writer's room once and gave them a lecture. He would just come in and kind of depart with, you know, impart this wisdom once in a while. And so he just starts telling them about how, when you write a joke, you can't just do the joke. You have to, you have to build everything that comes before it first. You have to get the audience ready for it. And I'm going to use some language here. So anyway, it doesn't like language. I'm sorry, but it's a nighttime show. <laughs> and, I, and I can't tell you the story without telling you what he said. Earmuffs. So, he, so he just starts yelling and he's like, you got to play with the bitches titties first. <laughs> <laughs> Before you ever like if you gotta play with a bitch's titties and he was like writing it you know like and no, all these... so that, that's why will smith slept but, all right it makes sense now We're and all these together. woke writers are like but it's chris rock so they're not if it had been yeah. anyone else they would be like that's so sexist like yeah. how dare you i, I think know. back then now obviously with stuff going on with Chappelle, yeah it's just it they don't care i don't think they really care anymore they're just keeps anybody you you think they would go after someone like Chappelle if he was producing a show and started telling other woke writers something like that? I yeah. don't know. I think his celebrity mm-hmm. might protect him because because you're in a yes room. Yes, no. I think maybe for some people, yes. Other people, no. Because we've already seen how there are some people, even though I don't think it's that many people, just a very loud minority on social media. But you know, I do think there are a lot of people who. Even if they truly were, didn't like it, wouldn't say anything. But I think there are also, also a lot of people who, you know, wouldn't don't care, wouldn't mind it. But you know, they'll go they'll go along with the crowd because you got to remember a lot. A lot of these people working in Hollywood, they were around before things got you know woke. Mm-hmm. You know, they they participate in a lot of the comedy and stuff. And sure, maybe some of them are like, oh yeah, maybe I should have said stuff. I've been a part of these particular shows or movies that promoted these stereotypes or you know whatever. But I, I think a lot of them still 
retain a lot of their perspectives that they had prior to the woke stuff taking over. It's just they're afraid to speak out. They're afraid. It depends on how many other woke people are in the room, probably. Mm. Yeah. Um, one quick chat. I just want to say Two Sisters and Some Yarn says the tornadoes are getting closer. Y'all defend Dana Carvey for me if I have to bail. <laughs> Honey, I hope you are staying safe. You certainly don't have to stay oh, tuned no. into pop culture if there's a tornado coming. <laughs> um, Dana okay. Carvey's great. I love Dana Carvey. I even watched his show when he had a spinoff show on ABC that lasted like four episodes or something like that. It had a lot of people. I think uh, Steve Carell, if I remember, was on that show. Robert Smigel, I think, also wrote for it, but it didn't last very long. Okay, so tell me about tell me about the evolution of politics on Saturday Night Live. So evolution. So yeah, so Saturday Night Live's always leaned to the left, clearly, like a lot of you know entertainment shows and movies produced in the past forty years. But in my opinion, and based on all the skits I've ever watched, it seems like they've gotten to a point where they become even more self-aware of the impact or influence that their comedy, their satire has. Because it, it, it seems like recently, in recent years, like they go very hard on Republicans and conservatives. And I know you can argue whether someone like Ted Cruz is conservative and not. But they tend to go very hard after the right and they tend to not go all that hard against people on the left. And so, for instance, with, you know, their mocking of Trump, they made fun of stuff that Trump say. Sometimes stuff was true. You know, he sometimes say dumb things and they make fun of that. They'd also incorporate things that weren't true, where they were towing the line, like the Russia mm -hmm. stuff and all the other things that, you know, the media accused them of. But at the same time, they wouldn't make fun of someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying stupid things. Right. Like, I can only remember her, them portraying her in two skits. There may have been more, but I can only think two ones. And they, they went pretty light on her. And she says a lot of stupid things that they could, there would be a wealth of material to take from to be these skits. But I think they, like I said earlier, they recognize more than ever, especially right after uh, the Sarah Palin stuff, when Tina Fey said, you know, uh, I could see my house in Alaska, or I could see Russia from my house in Alaska, and how a lot of people thought that uh, Sarah Palin actually said that, when in fact that was Tina Fey. But that became yeah. part of, you know, the, the fabric where people, it became true. No, she didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> she yeah, said okay. something kind of similar, but not specifically that. You know, something about missile. I think it was, but not, not that. And so, I, I it became it was it was very obvious in this past election cycle when they would have Jim Carrey come out and play Biden, where he'd wear the sunglasses and he'd like do the finger pokes. He'd be like a cool dude. I'm like, that's not what Biden does. <laughs> like, they won't even make up. Or at least until that point, they wouldn't make up the surface level stuff about Biden. I mean, put aside corruption stuff, just talk about him being out of it and just like rambling and saying weird things and sniffing people, which they eventually did make fun of him sniffing people. There was a episode a few months ago where Jason Sudeikis came back as Biden and sniffed the guy 
who was playing the new Biden. He put his hands on him and started sniffing him. So they, they I'll, I'll give him that. But prior to the election, they didn't. And it was worse even, you know, when it came to Kamala, because they betrayed Kamala, uh, Maya Rudolph played her, as just being really cool, hip. And again, they won't make fun of the surface level stuff, like the fact that she has n on numerous occasions pretended to be more black, blacker than she actually is. Like when yeah. she said she listened to Tupac in college and she was in college late eighties for Tupac had a musical career and they, they won't make fun of that. What a liar. <laughs> they, they won't do those things. And again, I'm, I'm, I understand they've all, always kind of leaned that way to left. Like you can look at um, Chevy Chase playing Gerald Ford and you know, he's come out in recent years and it's like, yeah, I was trying to make people think that Gerald Ford was an idiot and, and things. So that was pretty obvious, but, but they seem to be more even handed though, because I mean, back then, I remember, yeah. yeah, I remember all of the, uh, I mean, the Bill Clinton. Yes. Impersonations yeah. The, were great. And yeah, they, yeah. they seemed like they weren't, maybe I remember it incorrectly, but it didn't seem like they were pulling punches with him. They they were making fun of the you know affairs and sex stuff you know especially uh, Phil Hartman's one and a little bit of Daryl Hammond's and I thought that was really funny, but you know just recently it just it seems like they they understand the influence that they have on the national discourse in the same way the Daily Show has influence because even though the Daily Show is upfront about them editing those pre-taped interviews there's still people who watch that and it influences the way they perceive things. And so, uh, one of the, I guess we'll, I'm going to ruin one of the skits that we're going to talk about later, or, well, it's at least on my list of where skits was like the one where Pete Davison played Joe Rogan and they betrayed him as someone who said that he was taking horse medicine. Now there was nothing in that skit to suggest that they knew that wasn't true, but they wanted the audience to know that wasn't true, but they're just having some fun. It was very obvious that they were presenting that as if it was true. Yeah. And because they and so many other people in our entertainment sphere, the late night talk show hosts like Colbert in particular and Kimmel and all these people say these things over and over again becomes true as the propaganda minister, uh, I think it was Goebbels for the uh, Germans in World War II, said, you know, a lie told enough times eventually comes the truth. Yeah. And so when you see so much of entertainment, just taking these narratives that are being force fed by big media outlets and incorporating it into comedy skits, it just helps to reinforce those false narratives. And that's one of the things that made it hard for me to watch uh, SNL in the last few years, just knowing just how false a lot of these narratives were. It's, it's almost, it's the, it's the same thing that the media is doing right now with the don't say, don't say gay bill, the, yeah. you know, what they're calling it. They're pushing a false narrative down everyone's throats. I'd be surprised if SNL hasn't already done a sketch on that or is planning to do one where mm -hmm. they reinforce that same fake narrative that that's what the bill is about. Mm -hmm. And, and, but it, yeah, they, they will. But, and that, that highlights something else that I've noticed recently and is like, they make fun of Fox news a lot. And I'm no, I don't watch Fox news. So I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a Republican. I'm not like, Oh, you can't make fun of Republicans, Fox news. Like, no, uh, make fun of anybody. I don't care. But they're doing the same shtick that they did 10 years ago when, sure, there were a lot of conservatives and people on the right who were very reactionary 
and believe a lot of crazy things. But they're they're trying to do that still, but do it where one of the characters, like if you know Cecily Strong is playing Judge Janine or something, and they, she says something that sounds outrageous, like liberals are trying to turn your kids gay. It's like, well, you know, ten years ago that sounded absolutely crazy. <laughs> like now, eh, it's a little bit. It's there's some some truth in it. So it's it's not as crazy. A lot of the things that were crazy or cringe there are not as cringe now and again there's still a lot of cringe but not as much but you won't make fun of the left saying a lot of crazy things for the most part there there were there are a few things they did do a skit called woke jeans where it's gender yeah. non-conforming jeans which i'll give them credit again for that that's that's funny but outside of that they haven't really gone after a lot of these more craziest positions on the left it's like they keep trying to portray the right as being more crazier than the left, and in my opinion, right now, I'm not saying at some other time in history, but right now, I just right I, now. I don't think so. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not true. Your eyes are not open if you think it's true. Um, okay, so do you want to do you want to hit some of the, like the worst woke stuff they've done recently, or do you want to talk about some of the articles you sent me? Uh, let's, uh, let's have them in the videos. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so Mr. Chris and I each compiled, I think some of the worst offenders that we've seen in recent years of things that are not funny. Uh, Cole, if you could bring up now, we already know because NBC is very, uh, strike heavy. This episode is not going to stay up. Like, because we can't talk about this without showing the clips. It would be pointless. So we're going to show some clips this is the only time you'll get to see this episode because it's going to come down. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and do it. The first one is uh, bring up the, the welcome to hell sketch. Now this one came out a couple years ago and this was right when I was leaving social justice and I had, I hadn't, I don't think I had written my leaving social justice essay yet. I don't know if I was fully out or maybe I was, maybe I was just on the other side of it. In any case, I still had a lot of woke people who followed me and people from my comedy world. And a lot of those people are woke. And I remember posting about this and how unfunny it was. And uh, one of my former social justice friends started arguing with me and she, she agreed that it wasn't funny. Here's the thing. Here's the catcher, Chris. She said, yeah, it's not funny, but it has a great message. And that's why, it, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and that's why it's good content. It's like, no, <laughs> Saturday Night Live is a comedy show. If, if you're sitting here telling me you don't think it's funny either, then it failed, right? Okay, let's just play a couple, a couple of seconds of this. Hey there, boys. <laughs> we know the last couple months have been frickin' insane. All these big, cool, powerful guys are turning out to be, what's the word? Habitual predators? Cats out of the bag. Women get harassed all the time. And it's like, dang, is this the world now? But here's a little secret that every girl knows. Oh, this been the damn world. Okay. I, we don't have to say more. So this is a this is a fake music video. Are you laughing because it was funny? <laughs> I finally get it. 
<laughs> this is a whole music video called Welcome to Hell, where they sing well, about that's how... that's an accurate title. <laughs> <laughs> they sing about how the world is hell if you're a woman, that you live in a rape culture, and men are just trying... Where's the joke? Yeah. So, Cole just texted me and said, LOL, we are definitely getting pulled. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts, folks. <laughs> Enjoy it. This will be our, we're only ever going to have one strike. It's this one. Okay. <laughs> it's worth it for us. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Terrible. Do you, do you have a terrible one to show me or should I pull up my next one? <laughs> uh, I didn't get the link. I mean, if you want to type it in. Uh, sorry, I didn't. I could That's try okay. to type it, but it's going to. You're going to hear me typing and I'll be very weird. But uh, what to look for. Sure. So uh, there was a when the I think it was the very end of Obama's uh, tenure. They did a skit and I put that in quotes where it was Cecily Strong and the black chick. I don't, I don't know her name. Who cares? Uh, they did a song. They sung a song to him in front of a giant black and white picture of him. It was very dear leaderish. Like very North Korean-ish. There was, there was no joke. It was just them singing. They were singing uh, To Sir With Love. And that was it. That's <laughs> it was very creepy. Well, but why don't we pull up my next one and sure. then Cole can look for that if we want to show it okay. while we're playing this next one, maybe. Um, I've got on my list Matt Damon as Kavanaugh. Do you remember this? I do. This one really bothered me because the Cav what was happening to Kavanaugh bothered me. Right. And it was one of those eye-opening experiences for me. It's part of the reason that I ended up voting Republican. I just felt like I wanted to do something to protest what the Democrats were doing. Uh, so I voted for Ted Cruz shortly after this. But they, they ran that man through the ringer. They tried to defame him and destroy his character. And then this was part of it. They portrayed him as this crazy, angry man, as if it's almost like uh, when you're in a relationship with an abusive person and they're emotionally abusing you, they're attacking you, they're trying to put you on the defensive, they're trying to provoke a response. And then when you, you have what is an appropriate response for what they're doing to you, they point to you and say, ha, look at that response. And right. they did that with him. This man reacted appropriately with righteous anger and indignation about what they were doing to him and his family. And then SNL had the audacity to mock him in this way. You can hit play, Cole. From beer. <laughs> Dr. Ford has no evidence, none. Meanwhile, I've got these. <laughs> I've got these counters. <laughs> these beautiful, creepy counters <laughs> about lifting weights with PJ and Squee and Donkey Dong Doug. <laughs> but you don't care about Squee or Donkey Dong Doug, do you? You just want to humiliate me in front of my wife and my parents and Alyssa friggin' Milano? <laughs> Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm not backing down, you sons of bitches. I don't know the meaning of the word stop. 
this this also highlights one of the things I think that kind of gone wrong in live is the reliance on stunt casting by constantly having celebrities be politicians and cold openers because I, I don't remember them doing that in the past. They used to rely solely on the cast to do the impressions, but they did uh, what you just saw with Matt Damon as Kavanaugh. But they did um, Robert De Niro as Mueller. And of course, Alec Baldwin as Trump, uh, yes. Jim Carrey as Biden. Uh, yeah, they keep going back to all these celebrities and trying to put them into these roles because they know that you know people are going to talk about it. Because a lot of people, yeah, there'll still be you know people who like that type of comedy who still watch. But having that celebrity in it, it's going to get the headlines. People are like, oh, did you see Matt Damon was in Saturday Night Live last night? It's Kevin, yeah. oh, did you see that? Yeah, I, this is probably the funniest thing on screen right now about this clip is tree surgeon says, ha ha, it's funny because they ruined his life. <laughs> That's what he gets. Dark humor. I love it. <laughs> Somebody said they're depressed. I know this is terrible. Don't worry. We're going to follow. Yeah, we're going to bring it back to happy land. We're going to bring it back, back to the golden years. So we'll just put <laughs> a few more crap ones and then we'll get there. <laughs> um, what else is on my list? Oh, <sighs> Goober the clown. I don't know if I remember that one. Oh my goodness. You're in for a disgusting treat. <laughs> this, this was this was very recent. Um and it was a it was on the weekend update section of the show. And it was in response to Texas passing what was it called? The heartbeat bill, where they said you you they limited abortions to prior to the 13 week period, I believe. Okay. Thank you. By the way, Cole, everybody give Cole a round of applause. This is... Yeah. Okay. It, it seems like you do want to talk about your abortion. Well, actually, I really don't. But people keep bringing it up, so I got to keep talking about freaking abortion. But it's a rough subject, so we're going to do fun clown stuff to make it more palatable. Whee! Hey, who wants a balloon animal? You want a giraffe? Okay. <laughs> You, you, you know, Cecily, I'm Goober, and I wish I didn't have to do this because the abortion I had at 23 is my personal clown business. But that's all some people in this country want to discuss all the time, even though clown abortion was legalized in Clown v. Wade in 1973. Here. Can you stop saying clown abortion? What is this? And it's a worm. I don't know. Hey, hey. Did you know one in three clowns will have a clown abortion in her lifetime? You don't, because they don't tell you. They don't even know how to talk to other clowns about it. Because when they do talk about it, if you were a clown who wasn't the victim of something sad like clown sass, they think your clown abortion wasn't a righteous clown abortion. I mean, what the dick is that? Okay, we can stop. We can stop. Yes, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean... People are just sitting there. I mean, I, I don't even know. They must have the the guy, the sweetener. The guy must be sitting there like applause, laugh, yeah. because it's or not laughing funny. Gas. Yeah. Yes, it's just not funny. Even if you agree with the politics here, the pro-abortion politics, th these aren't funny jokes. I just no. What's the clever like, satire in it? What's the? There's nothing clever about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oceana says this was a low point. Yeah, it's not. It, it's not even funny, Teresa. I agree. Uh, okay, just a few more unfunny ones. Do you do you have one, or am I going to go to my next one? Uh, I, I didn't pull it up. I mean, if Cole wants to look it up, they, the recent MacGruber skit they did, 
uh, Will Ferto, and I love Will Fer- uh, Forte. He's he's hilarious, and I love generally love the MacGruber skits. But they did a skit where, yeah, he was basically a anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, QAnon, uh, alt-right guy. Like the, there's two characters that are questioning him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, masks don't work. That's stupid." And he, he grabs some of the uh, the alternative medicine for the virus that starts with an I and the other one that starts with H and throws in his mouth. And he's like, yeah, these are, uh, I have horse worms. So this is uh, to treat my horse worms. And he's just, he's portraying, like, again, with portraying people who have reasonable positions as being crazy by tying in things that are crazy is something that the regular media does. But here you see comedy doing that. And people watch this and go, yeah, anyone who thinks that, you know, the masks aren't effective at, you know, slowing the spread and that, you know, the, the injectable medication can't stop it either. Those people are, are absolute nuts, the fringe alt-right and they're racist and they hate Jews. People, that, that message is probably more effective, actually, when it is reinforced through comedy. You know, the stuff that yeah. the media is trying to tell us is true, that's not true. Well, then you put it in, you're reinforcing it. You're giving people a different kind of impression for that story. It's like, this is accepted truth. And now we're making comedy about this accepted truth. Yep. Yep. So. I think know, he found it. Yeah, I think that's it. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, skip around a little bit. MacGruber, what, what are you doing? Bring us from tyranny, Vic. You're welcome. Well, you're welcome for what? I, I really wanted to wear that mask. Yeah, you just said yourself that we're in a small enclosed room. Yeah, so we need every drop of oxygen we can get, which is impossible with these stupid face diapers. Oh, I can finally breathe. Hey. I gotta say, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. Don't worry, Vic. I'm vaxxed and relaxed. Here's proof. Um, I think there's a P missing at the beginning of Pfizer. You got vaccinated at a Sizzler? Sure did, Piper. And Vicky, if there was a P in front of Pfizer, it'd be pronounced Pop Pfizer. But nice try. Just admit you're not vaccinated. Okay, fine, you freaking Karens. I'm not getting that stupid shot, all right? Because I don't want the government putting a tracking device in my scrotum. Ew. Gruber, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, I don't need to know what I'm talking about, Piper, because I have a brain. But since you two sheeple are so freaked out, let me assure oh, you God. totally anti-Semitic. Um, sorry. Sure. All right, and that's enough. That's enough. That's <laughs> enough. Oh God, you described it perfectly. It's like every stereotype about a so-called anti-vaxer. It gets worse because at the very end of the skit, he basically wears that Viking. You remember that picture of the Viking guy at the Capitol on January sixth? Yeah. yeah, he wears that, and he's still spouting all the same stuff. So tie everything together. And this, and and I mentioned this on a previous episode of Pop Culture. Like it pissed me off because. This was only a few weeks before they did that skit uh, that we talked about where it was a group of people sitting around dinner, all like questioning the, you know, COVID responses and like, well, you know, they're all saying like, well, you know, I, 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 I read some stuff that maybe the mask aren't, you know, they don't help us much. You know, I don't know. And like, everyone's like afraid to like say that, but they're all thinking the same thing, mm-hmm. which was a good skit. But again, this was just a few weeks after that. And so I'm like, what changed in that that period, that time period? Did uh, they get some calls from uh, someone at the CDC or something? I don't know. I, I think what's changing during that time period is Ukraine happened, and they've moved off of COVID. I mean, they're still on it, but not. It's not the it's not the number one narrative anymore in the news. Mm-hmm. And so 
all of those people who've been psychologically nudged and pressured to fall in with all this crap, they're tired of it. They just don't want to admit they're tired of it. Yeah. And now there's this pressure that's being relieved as the as the media, the whole machine is moving to focus on Ukraine. So I think they feel like they can finally start like poking at it a little bit. Right. right. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But yeah, that was a terrible skit. So. Thank you, Crash Mondo. Gives a super chat. He says, I don't believe that any of the laughter is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a laugh track. <laughs> I'm sure they sweeten it. Probably. I think that's the only one we missed. Yeah, we're good. Okay. How about just one more crappy one and then we get to some fun stuff? All right. I'm bracing myself. Let's go. Okay. I, I sent you a few, Cole, but out of all these crappy ones, should we do Ted Cruz Street or White People Problems? Let's do White People Problems. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, no. <laughs> Have you seen this one? I, I, if I did, I blocked it out. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Boy. Boy, if you promise. You're watching Investigation Discovery. Dylan and Casey were flying to a weekend getaway in Key West. When they got to the airport, they discovered their seats were not together. Unfortunate situations like this one happens to millions of people every day, and we'll explore them on white people problems. All right, that's that's it. You can stop there. And the thing is, it's it's not that you know, you know my philosophy. I make fun of everybody. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not against any racial group or religious group or non-religious group being made fun of. You know, that's just fair. But I just think in this climate, it does make a lot of people more sensitive. And you know, I'm not white. I'm a little sensitive to it because I ultimately know how this is reinforcing a lot of things. Cause if it was just like how it used to be where people were like, Oh, that's kind of funny. You know, like one of my skits that I'll go ahead and reveal it right now. One of the good skits that I hope we talk about is uh, Eddie Murphy's skit white like me, where he goes undercover. It was a white person. Okay. It was hilarious, but that was white people, but it was just like good nature. But like today doing skits like that, I, they just taken on a whole different kind of, meaning because you kind of understand the impact that it's having uh, given that the whole culture is kind of obsessed with emphasizing the same narratives and perspectives. Yeah. It's just tired. It's not, it's, it's not that it's about white people. It's that it's the same old social justice joke over and over. And as somebody in the chat said, Dave Chappelle did it first and he did it better. You know, it's original <laughs> and fresh when he did mm -hmm. it. This is a 16 bit mascot. Thank you. Um, now it's just the recycling this crap. Ozymandias says, why do you hate us, Carrie? I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the last bad one we're going to show. <laughs> that's the last Step one. back from the ledge. I wish yeah. you would back from that ledge. My I friend. made a whole list, and I'm not going to subject you to the rest of it, but look what else is on my list. White people problems we watch. White coworkers. Inner white girl. These are all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, these are all within the past few years. It's just, it's the same old joke over yeah. and over. It's like, okay, can you do something new and fresh? And, and I, I think the answer is no. So let's watch some funny stuff. Even Cole Yay. is just going, please can we stop? <laughs> <laughs> We probably gave those sketches like one a couple more views tonight. Unfortunately. Which is which is good for them. It's more than, you know, 
It's a big, big number for them. Um, 104 people saw some of those sketches. So there you go. <laughs> you won't be able to sleep tonight. Mm. <laughs> so why don't we pull up some of your favorites then? I saw you send a list. Yes, I did. So um, can we, I want to start, you know, uh, you know, when I told you that I was going to find a way to talk about Star Trek on every episode, which, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't kidding. Uh, there is a skit with Patrick Stewart, when Patrick Stewart hosted in 94, 95. Uh, he did a skit where he played the owner of a erotic cake bakery. And he, every cake he makes is of women peeing. <laughs> 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 and Rob Schneider plays this guy, his gay guy comes in. And he's like, hey, I ordered a cake of like two guys having sex. And Patrick Stewart's like, oh, gross. It's like, you don't <laughs> want to rather have a cake of two women peeing? He's like, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's one of your favorite sketches? Yeah, it's called, uh, Cole, by the way, in, uh, Sexy Cakes is the one it's labeled in. Cole, pull up Sexy Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I would say. <laughs> I haven't seen this one. Oh, yeah, I love this. Hi, welcome to Sexy Cakes, the erotic bakery. I walked by this place, so I never thought I'd go inside it. Well, I think you'll find that it's a little more fun than an ordinary bakery. Yeah, my friend's having a bachelor party, and I thought it might be kind of fun if uh, I got him an erotic cake. Well, you have come to the right place. I have the perfect sexy cake for a bachelor party. Uh, oh, oh, what about this one? What do you think? Looks like a woman going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's very sexy. <laughs> what else do you have? Oh, I understand. Uh, it's not perhaps your cup of tea. Perhaps um, <laughs> maybe uh, this sexy cake might be more up your alley. This is the exact same cake. No, no, no. <laughs> this is chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, but it's still a woman going to the bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you don't have to play that. Yeah. Do you just like this one because it's Patrick Stewart? I, I, I part, yes. And maybe that was the last time I like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like that. But I just like the concept, too, because it's 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 ridiculous. It's gross. It is ridiculous. And it just it, it harkens back to a time when SNL was more edgy, I think, mm -hmm. with that. There's another another skit that I, I didn't get the clip to, but uh, it's one with uh, Chris Kattan. He plays a little boy who uh, his mom is like reading him a story and he's like, he can't go to sleep. So as he's like uh, staying up, his uh, closet doors open and a bunch of major league baseball players come out. And one of the baseball players comes out and it's like, hey, kid, you can do anything you want. This ain't Russia. He goes, but Russia's a democracy now. He's like, get my point, quit being a, f and he says, F-A-G. <laughs> and I was like, wow, they actually said that. Like, it was such a different time when yeah. you could say that and it wasn't controversial at all. Yeah. It's crazy. How old is that one, do you think? That was mid-90s. Yeah, the 90s. Yeah. And they something else, they did. Uh, and something I think they couldn't get away t t with now, which wasn't, it's not even controversial. Um, they did skits where I think... I forget if it's the Janet Reno was with Will Ferrell, but they did ones where it's like men kissing and people were laughing and stuff. And I don't think the activists would be upset if they did that. 
I mean, the closest thing they did to that recently in the last few years was like a family that all like fridge kissed. But seeing two men like that being the joke of the skit kissing, I think would piss off a lot of people. Saying, what, what, what do you think is funny? Gay people are funny. Yeah, they could never. It, you can't make it the butt of the. They could never do Pat today. <laughs> Pat, that's right. I I actually I'm embarrassed to admit I actually kind of like that movie. It's Pat. I haven't seen it. Maybe it's since you know the '90s. Maybe it sucks, but I, I always liked it, especially of uh, which uh, Dave. Uh, I'm blanking on a name from Kids in the Hall. Uh, Foley was in it playing another androgynous person. That <laughs> yeah, was I, like Pat's boy slash girlfriend, whatever. You know what's great about Pat? I like the I like jokes that are the same joke told over and over in a different way. <laughs> really? Yeah. And the joke there is that you don't know if Pat's a man or woman. That's the whole joke. And but every sketch you're gonna see it play out in a different way. And it's almost like a little did you ever watch Little Britain? Uh no, I've seen clips of it, but I haven't Little watched Britain a lot of it. does that better than anyone or the original Little Britain. And it's just their characters are always the same. The joke is always the same. They're just telling it a different way. <laughs> and I don't. So with that being said, pull up, pull up number one on my list, Cole. This is one of my favorite characters. And this joke, every time you saw this character, like in the 90s, they had a lot of these. The characters were always the same. So every time you saw this, the joke was the same. And it's almost like you're going to a, a uh, to see your favorite musician and you're just waiting for your favorite, the favorite line of your favorite song. Mm -hmm. That's how it was with these sketches because you came to know the characters, whether it was church lady or van down by the river or whatever, you're waiting for that line, you know, cause you know, it's going to be in there. You can, uh, Oh yeah. He's no fast forward just a little bit to go see the woman in red freaking nightmare on Elm street by Freddy's revenge. Again, a little humor. That damn fine movie. Please. Cole, can you skip ahead just a little bit? There you go. 50. 50 years old. 50 years old. Not afraid to hide my age. All right, all right, all right Goldie. Okay, you can stop. You can stop. At the, before she says 50, do you remember her? <laughs> Sally O'Malley? Yeah, I remember that. I <laughs> Molly Shannon was pretty funny. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's always the same. I can kick and I can stretch yeah. and I'm 50. But you would just get so excited waiting for her to say it. And whatever the scenario was, like she's in a ballet class or she was with the Rockettes once. It's always the same joke. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, can you... Uh, Cole, uh, in my list queue, uh, click the first one. I accidentally mislabeled a couple of them, but the first one is the one that I want to show. Uh, this one is Wake Up and Smile, and this one is a uh, skip with Will Ferrell and uh, Nancy Walls, I think, and uh, David Allen Greer, who hosted. And in the skit, the uh, it's like a morning news show like a Today Show type thing, and the teleprompters go down, and they start, like, freaking out, and they end up, like, coming like savages, and just escalates. It gets funny, but uh, we play it a little bit, please. And now, back to Wake Up and Smile. Back to you. And Lynn. Huh? Make something up. What? Huh? Uh. You know. You know, Diane, I had a notion the other day. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> make um, this 
I was thinking someone should get a group together uh, with ghettos. But it gets like crazy at the end. Like David Allen Cruz, the weatherman, and he like challenges to a fight, Will Ferrell. And like they start fighting, it cuts to commercial, and then when it comes back, Will Ferrell like rips off David Allen's head and he, like drinks his blood. He's like, "I am the new king," and and then like their teleprompter comes back on, and they start reading it, and they just like start crying, realizing what they've done. Oh, it's a beautiful skit. Uh, thank you. I don't remember if I ever saw that one. If yeah. I did, I forgot it. So that was delightful. Uh, okay. Have you seen my list or is this going to be a surprise? I, I saw some of it briefly. I didn't uh, look at all of them. So some of them are going to be surprised. Let me see. Pull up. Okay. Let's go to my absolute favorite. Pull up number five, Cole, but you have to fast forward it to three minutes and 12 seconds. This is one of my favorite characters. This is from, well, I'm not going to set it up. I'll just tell you the time period. This okay. was like the 90s. The, was it late 80s, early 90s? It's my favorite time now. 90s. I know I'm and, a little biased, but still. it's Yeah. Actually, I'll tell you a story about this sketch after hmm. we see it. Because uh, the way that it was developed is pretty funny. I'm Mike Wallace. <laughs> but despite repeated attempts to contact Mr. <laughs> Wait, go, go back just you have to go back just a little bit <laughs> to 312. I'm not being defensive. You're the one who's being defensive. Okay. 312. Let's be honest. We've seen your people. There we go. Working for pennies, making defective novelty items which at best don't work and don't provide hours of family fun. And at worst, are creating serious injury. So what are you saying? <laughs> saying that your boss, Mr. Lee, is in effect the Mr. Big of the pirate novelty business. No, he isn't. You're just saying that to get a higher rating on your TV show. <laughs> I wish I were, but we saw your people making pirate minkman schnozzes. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Look at his cigarette. <laughs> look at him, look at the camera. <laughs> They make semiconductors for a very reputable computer company. What's wrong with that? Is there something wrong with that? What, why, why, why is that something wrong to do? I don't understand that. Why are you pointing the finger at other people all the time? Why don't you point the finger at yourself? <laughs> a little more reading, maybe. Less time in court. Maybe that would be a <laughs> You seem defensive. I'm not being defensive. You're the one who's being defensive. <laughs> Why is it always the other person who's being defensive? <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you asked yourself that? <laughs> you can stop there. <laughs> that was Nathan Thurm. Do you remember him? No, I don't. Well, Martin Short playing Nathan Thurm. Yeah, Martin Short. Yeah. Martin Short and Billy Crystal, they were only signed to a one year contract because right after Eddie Murphy, when he left, like the executive, was it Ebersol? I forget, uh, uh, who had a lot of control of SNL, wanted to keep the celebrity thing going because, like, Eddie Murphy became a huge star while on the show. It's not like the original cast, which were getting popular. And then once they left the show, started doing movies like Bill Murray. Uh, but with uh, uh, with 
Mark Short and Billy Crystal, they decided to bring it in to kind of give the show an injection to kind of keep it going. And it kind of did. And then they brought in Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall. And then they, they wiped out most of that cast, kept John Lovitz, and brought in uh, Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks, Kevin Nealon. Phil Hartman. Excellent. Yeah, and oh god, I, I I told the story before about the uh, I could, it's hard to find this skit. I, I'd had to do looking to find it, but one of my favorite, it might be one of my favorite skit was a uh, skit where they're doing a parody of Soylent Green, where in a skit John Goodman plays the producer of Soylent Green, and he's doing an interview about all these sequels they made to Soylent Green, and in each sequel it, it's the same twist, and so during this interview they're showing clips from the movies, and each time it's Phil Hartman as Charlton Heston. So there is a, um, one of the setups was like Mike Miles Myers and Kevin Elan standing in front of a copy machine are like, aren't you glad that we found this inexhaustible source of copy paper? He's like, yeah. Do you ever wonder where it comes from? He's like, no, not really. And then Phil Hartman's Charlton Heston busts and goes, it's people. So it white is people. <laughs> but they keep doing the same thing. Like they have one called Sonic Cow Patties. Where <laughs> uh, Chris Farley's in the future eating <laughs> cow patties. And Phil Hartman bursts in. So that cow patties is people. They told us they changed the recipe, but they didn't. <laughs> See, it's always, again, it's the same joke. Yes. And they just do it over. And that's what's, they need to get back to that. I mean, right now, I think most of the repeat characters I've seen them do in recent years have been politicians. Like mm -hmm. they've, it's been impersonations rather than original characters. They do have some original characters, but the clips that I see, and I don't watch it anymore. I just watch if a clip comes across my feed, I'll sometimes take a look at it. It's always like Ted Cruz or Marjorie Taylor Greene or, you know, Trump. It's like, I, I don't want to see your political impersonations anymore, right. especially since you're so heavy handed with one direction and not the other direction. Show me some original characters like Soylent Green, Phil Hartman, you know? <laughs> yeah, Make sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the, the recurring skits work. Sometimes they don't like, uh, they can copy. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I kind of go, but I, I think one of the times that they were pretty much it, only time I could think of where they're self-aware of the skit in terms of the recurring stuff was a Robert Smigel skit where it was these guys, I think they were supposed to be Greek, near European, and they were working at a, a, a place called Hans Jiro. And uh, every time somebody would go up to get some sauce or something, Robert Smigel would go up and go, yeah, you like the juice, eh? The juice tastes good to you, no? He's like, yeah, yeah, I like the juice. Like, I will get you more juice. And so they kept doing this skit. And like in the very last skit they did, uh, <laughs> David Spade is playing one of the customers. He goes up and goes, hey, um, do you mind ending your skit? <laughs> and Robert Smigel says, eh, you want to end the skit, yes? He's like, yes. He's like, eh, it's just the same joke over and over. Yes, yes. It's getting very tiresome. Yeah? He's like, yeah, it is. Like, okay, I will end the skit for you. And then the skit ends. <laughs> I was like, that's brilliant. That's kind of a fun way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, do a quick super chat okay. before, before I tell you a story about Nathan Thurm. Simon Belmont for $5. Thank you, sir. He says, I'm so glad I found you from your appearance on Chrissy's podcast. The decline of SNL is one of my favorite topics as it used to be a big part of my life. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Me I'm too. sorry. So many of us have had things that used to be a big part of our life. Yeah. Decline. I have a friend <laughs> who, who is a huge Lord of the Rings fan and he is not happy yeah. with where things are going. Uh, can can we watch uh, 
a little bit of white like me. That should be the yeah, second link, Cole. If you could bring that on up. And this is one so, of the all-time best skits, I think. Not just one of my favorites. I think one of the best. One of the best. So yes. while he's pulling that up, I'll tell you quickly about that Nathan Durham character by Martin. I love Martin Short. Yes. I love him. <laughs> I'm not a strong swimmer. <laughs> oh, gosh. He's so good. So <laughs> he tells a story. He does a live show with Steve Martin. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I got to see him a couple years ago when he was in Austin. And he tells this story about that character and how they had a makeup artist at Saturday Night Live who was like that. And she was always, I don't remember if she was chain smoking like that or not, but she was always sort of gossiping while they were in there in the makeup chair. And and if you said something to her or if somebody said like, hey, we need a touch up over here, she would get really like freaked out. And and then she would say things like, I'm not being defensive. He's being defensive. It's not me. It's him, isn't it? (laughs) And so he totally based that on her, but she didn't, know it and then he said they were at a, a end of the season rap party or something and somebody in the cast said something about it publicly thinking that she knew and they were like how do you like that nathan Thurman based on you and she's like <laughs> what you know and just <laughs> reacted <laughs> okay a lot of people talk about racial prejudice and some people have gone so far as to say that there are actually two Americas, one black and one white. But talk is cheap. So I decided to look into the problem myself firsthand, to go underground and actually experience America as a white man. Can you skip a little head to where he's actually white? <laughs> so he just gave him the newspaper. He's like, tried to pay for it. And the white guy's like, no, take it, take it. He's Slowly like, oh. I began to realize that when white people are alone, they give things to each other. <laughs> this is like a nature Only documentary. One other black man on the bus. <laughs> This is funny. He got off on 45th Street. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) It's party time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough. Uh, that's funny. And this kid goes later on where he goes into a bank and he's like trying to get a loan and the guy just pulls out a bunch of money from the safe and just gives it to him. He's like, hey, go take it. He's like, oh, just take it. And he starts putting it in his suitcase and just walks off, but he keeps looking back like, what? Is this okay? <laughs> the best part about him as a white man is that he looks like um, Ned Flanders. Yeah, from- <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Never thought about that. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> ho. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. We'll pull up another one of my favorites. Um, hmm. I mean, on my list, I have some of the best of that people know, like more cowbell. More cowbell was so funny. Sweaty balls. But let's not pull those up because we've already. People know what those are. How about this is an oldie but goodie? How about pull up number four, Cole? This one pe- people may not remember. Hmm. 
And what year is this going to be from? This is from the 70s. Okay. I, I looked for I looked for a different one, by the way. I was looking for Gilda Radner. She did one. Uh, it was a it was a fake soup commercial, and she was playing a little girl. Mm-hmm. Now, before you hit play, hold one second, Cole. I looked. If anybody in the chat remembers this one, it was it was her, and it's a soup commercial, and she's eating, and it's it's uh, the alphabet soup, you know, and the soup man is talking to her about what the letters spell and stuff, and it just gets creepier and weirder. And she's talking. You realize that the guy's actually talking to her. It's hard to explain, but they don't have, I couldn't find that one online. So this is the next back, the next best thing. She's got a lifestyle unique. She's read every best-selling book. She's a gourmet blend of coke. She's got that Jewish look. <laughs> you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting when I look back at the original Saturday Night Live and look how some of the skits that were like super controversial or risque that are totally tame now. Like they had the uh, Lord and Lady Douchebag, which like you watch a skit, That's on my the, audience, list. Really, the audience is going like crazy. But now it's like you hear people call it sort of douchebags all the time. That's nothing. Yeah, that was a good one. We could, do you want to watch that one? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Do people remember that one? Uh, Cole, this is number two on my list. Uh, but go ahead and fast forward to two minutes and 27 seconds or around there. Lord and Lady Douchebag. <laughs> I am so frightfully glad you two could come. I was just asking Lady Salisbury, where the devil are those douchebags? Well, it's been impossible to get him out of this workshop. He's been working day and night. You douchebag? Well, I wasn't aware that you dabbled in that sort of thing. Tell me, what in heaven's name are you working on? Well, I'd be happy to tell you, but perhaps uh, after you've finished eating. Well, <laughs> ah, here's Chambers right now. Chambers, get more than Lady Douchebag something to eat. Oh, no, 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 thank you. I'm not very hungry. A plate of raw vegetables would be fine. Would you like a dressing on that? Uh, just some vinegar and water, thank you. <laughs> Douchebag, how are you? I haven't seen you in the House of Lords in ages. Don't tell me, for the first time in memory, we're going to have a parliament without a douchebag. <laughs> My dear Sandwich, Parliament has always had its share of douchebags and always will. <laughs> Spoken like a true douchebag. <laughs> I've often heard the King say of your family and yours as well give me a sandwich and a douchebag, and there is nothing I cannot do. <laughs> you can stop. Do you, have- you know, I, well, like I said earlier, I, I grew up watching a lot of the original Stanley Life and like syndication reruns and stuff. And I think a lot of it maybe it's not as funny to me as I'm older. Uh, I don't, I don't know, because I used to like love Mr. Bill, but like if I watch that and like now <laughs> I uh, still love the original cast, but some of the skits just I don't know. I don't know if my tastes have just changed or what. 
Can we pull up one more from my list? Cole, you can surprise me. I just have to take, I'll be right back. Chris, take it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's going to be porn. There goes Carrie's channel. Uh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Let's see what's going on in the chat. Oh, yeah. Sean Lovitz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, one of us gets, uh, what was it? The Bag of Glass with uh, Dan Aykroyd. It was hilarious. Uh, other ones. Let's see what else we got in the chat. Uh, oh, what was it? Oh, I was reading some of the uh, chat in there. Talk about it. Uh, what was the Christopher uh, Walken one? Um, was it General Cunnilingus? That that's kind of seems like it's on par with the douchebag thing. Like that's like the more modern version of that. Before we condiments, and finally your ass or a hole in the ground. <laughs> Mr. Reynolds, unfortunately, you're in the lead, so we'll start with you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the uh, condiment thing for uh, eight. That. <laughs> that's condiments <laughs> for four hundred. See again, the this joke's always the same. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know well, what to expect. French Stewart. The answer, of course, is onions. I'll take condiments for eight hundred. Thank you. <laughs> that's not the right answer. Burt Reynolds. That's not my name. <laughs> Okay, Turd Ferguson. Yeah, what do you want? You buzzed in. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Yeah, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> I job. The answer was mustard. Mustard is made from mustard seeds. Mr. Reynolds, it's still your board. Yeah, well, uh, why don't you give me, uh, why don't you give me ape tit for 200? It's not <laughs> ape tit. <laughs> it's a petite, never mind. Let's just go to animal sound. You can stop there. I mean, I know we're going to get a strike either way, but we may as well stop it. <laughs> well, it was interesting. I remember reading that um, Norm MacDonald had said when they were doing those skits, the point was they never wanted to betray the people that they're, you know, being in the skit as being stupid. They just portrayed them as not fully engaged with what was happening. Like they're in a, they're perceiving things completely different than what, you know, Will Ferrell's Alex Trebek is presenting it. And I thought that was an interesting uh, comment because I think the temptation for a lot of writers today would be to make these people stupid. And I think the comedy is going to come because the character or the person they're portraying is dumb. Yeah. And something other um, Norm MacDonald said uh, years ago was uh, he didn't like Alec Baldwin's Trump impression because he thought that there was too much animosity in that because his view was that in order to do a good impression, you had to have some affection for that. Uh, for that person. And I, I kind of agree because I, I look at some of the other people who've done Trump impressions like, you know, Daryl Hammond, who did a good Trump, even Phil Hartman. And I, I assume they don't have a raging hatement. Obviously, Phil Hartman doesn't. But, you know, Daryl Hammond, I, I assume not. But theirs was a lot more accurate. And because when you, you compare that to them, even the new guy doing Trump, I don't even know his name. He does Trump and Biden like the same anger, like you can tell when you watch 
Alec Baldwin do his skit or his uh, impression personation of Trump that he hates Trump. Yeah, you can you can see it seething, and he, he yeah. overdoes it, and it's not the good kind of exaggeration because Phil Hartman was a master of exaggerating aspects of certain people, but still making it funny, and you're still able to identify it with that person. But with his, it was just, oh, I'm draw. I can't even do it because it's so stupid. But it, yeah, so I, I thought it was an interesting comment that uh, Norm had on that. Bungalow logic has been bringing all these facts tonight. A lot of the same stuff that you're saying. Mm -hmm. Bungalow Logic says Daryl Hammond said the same thing well, about it's having affection for the character. Yeah, Daryl Hammond was recently on an episode of Adam Carolla's show, and he said that when Trump won the 2016 election, Daryl Hammond had a bunch of gigs lined up where he was going to portray Trump, you know, doing his old character. But then Saturday Night Live had Alec Baldwin do it, and people lost interest in having Daryl Hammond do his Trump impression impersonation because they're like, hey, Alec Baldwin's doing on TV, and Daryl Hammond was, you know, kind of depressed about that because it looked like he was going to get, you know, get back into the limelight because it's been a while. So, but they went with the the big name star instead. Yeah, yeah. It would have been so much better with Hammond. Yeah, it would have. No, I knew that, and I think Daryl Hammond still does the the uh, voice introductions after Don Pardo died. They got Daryl Hammond. I think he still does it. So it would have made sense. I mean, he, he's still technically employed by Senate Life, I think, and he was on the show for like 11 damn years. Although Keenan's broken everyone's record. Keenan, next year will be 20 years. Keenan has been on the show. Yep. Wow. When he when he joined the show, I think he was the youngest person. Or was he the youngest person? Because Eddie Murphy was 18. I don't maybe No, I don't think so. I think Eddie Murphy was 18 when he joined. But no, he, oh, okay. He, he was, when he joined the show, I think it was 2003, he was the first cast member who was born after the original cast. Wow. So he, yeah. he is consistently funny. I'll say that. I like I mean, him, but he, he does kind of do the same, you know, stick. It's funny still, mm -hmm. but it's not like a whole lot of uh, range in his impersonations. That's true, and that's saying a lot if he's like their funniest player right now. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the other things I noticed with Saturday Night Live recently, it seemed like a lot of times they were trying to write skits around who could do what impersonation rather than write the skit and saying, okay, we need someone to do this person in the skit. Because a lot of times they do skits and they'd have someone do a person who wasn't relevant, <laughs> you know? Jay Farrow was kind of like that. Jay Farrow was like prophesized to be like the next Eddie Murphy. And he's like, he's going to bring Santa Live back up to the heights that it was. And he had a very disappointing, you know, tenure there. He was very talented, but he he just kind of did the same, you know, impersonations like Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy. And I think he did Obama for a little bit. Yeah, he and was, he wasn't memorable. No, no. not at all. It's very disappointing. Uh, Bingo Shank says, what up with that? Yeah, that's kind of what he's I known for. I woke up this morning, I got out of bed, had a big old cup of coffee and clear my head. Telephone <laughs> rang, never wanted to chat. Sit on down and tell me what's up with that. <laughs> you know all of the lyrics. <laughs> I do. I do like that skit. That's one of the good reoccurring skits I still do. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, let's pull a couple of things from chat and then we have to wrap up in nine minutes guys because these dogs are go getting paid nine up. minutes going home <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see 
Alan, Alan Scott says, I love when Sean Connery got therapist confused. Yeah, the rapist. <laughs> the rapist, yes. <laughs> a lot of Norm MacDonald fans. Norm is a genius. I, I, I loved one of my, and I, I could have added this to my uh, list, was Norm MacDonald's impersonation of uh, David Letterman. Where he'd make fun of David Letterman, all he thinks is like really dry humor. Like, and so like Norm MacDonald would be as uh, David Letterman, he'd look at Paul and go, hey, Paul, hey, gonna come? And the guy playing Paul Shaver go, yeah, gum, spy, you asked me for gum. <laughs> and I was like the whole skit. I don't even remember that one. Yeah. I just remember his Norm's um, Weekend Update. There's some really mm -hmm. good compilations on YouTube of oh, all yeah. the time that he went after OJ Simpson. <laughs> oh my gosh, he was relentless. And I think that's what led to his departure, wasn't yeah. it? In yeah, part, one of because... the higher ups in NBC was friends with OJ and didn't like yeah. it. So. And they kept telling him he couldn't do any more. Yeah, here we go. Breaking headline says Norm got fired for too many OJ jokes after being warned to lay off OJ. He went in harder. Yes, that took balls and I, integrity. I, th I think he's the best weekend update guy. Oh and yeah, I, no one I saw after he died, they paid tribute to him on the new one where they played one of his old skits and stuff. And I was reading some of the uh, you know former Silent Live people talking about him after he passed. And uh, Steph Myers, you know, was saying nice things, but I thought it was funny if you read about like what Norm Donald said about Steph Myers, and how unfunny Steph Meyer was. Like Norm didn't give a crap. <laughs> just say the truth. Yeah, you just say it. It's hilarious. I love that. A couple people mentioned this one. Ironhead mentions Jane. You ignorant slut. Yeah, I couldn't do that today. Nope, nope, nope. Talk about a me too moment. <laughs> one of my favorites that I looked for and I couldn't find. It is a political impersonation. It was, no, it wasn't an impersonation. Duh. It was Bob Dole himself. Oh, yeah. Um, when he, him and Norm. He, yeah. Yeah. So I think it was Bob Dole himself. Maybe it was Norm. No, the Norm played Norm. Um, Norm played Norm. Norm played Bob Dole. Right? But there was an episode where Bob Dole came on the show when yes. Norm was dressed up as Bob okay. Dole. Okay. So what I remember, tell me if you remember this, it was a fake sketch for the real world. And Bob Dole was one of the housemates on The Real World. Ah, I forgot about that one. And I think it was the real Bob Dole. <laughs> and I couldn't find it either way, so I couldn't verify. But I just remember one of the storylines on the fake Real World was that one of the housemates ate his peanut butter. And he was, <laughs> I do and he remember was, that. Do you remember that? Yeah. He was like, nobody eats Bob Dole's peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> so we just talked about himself in the third person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was back when they were really good. Again, with the you know politics and and he did funny skits, you know, and it didn't. It never, to me, never really came off as overly personal, like until recent recent years. Yeah, it's just it's completely changed. Mm -hmm. Dennis Miller, Teresa, Dennis Miller had the snark from the seventies cast. I don't remember being a big fan of his. Were you? Yeah, I never. No, his references are just like what. Nah, Dennis Miller. I just remember Dana Carvey making doing an impersonation of Dennis Miller and liking that better. Yeah, you know what would have been genius because they've recently they've had uh, Dana Carvey back on in the past four years to mm -hmm. do the Church Lady, oh, yeah. and to really I think destroy the Church Lady because they made her sort of they're just taking shots at Trump and all those you know the mm -hmm. regular stuff. It's kind of yeah. boring. Um, where it, I really loved the old character of the Church Lady, but I think what would have been a better uh, a use of Dana Carvey is when they did that Kavanaugh bit with, with Matt Damon, if they're going to 
if they're going to do that, they should have also had a sketch with Dana Carvey uh, playing Christine Bailey Ford. Because yeah. She, he look, she looks like <laughs> yeah, him. He does. <laughs> yeah, right? just basically wear the guard's wig. There you go. Yeah, that, that's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been the Garth wig. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they don't bring the that cast back uh, enough. Like they bring back Tina Fey and Wig a lot. They had like you know uh, she's been on several shows and they had a big send off her last episode. And I don't really recall them doing big send offs to people who were leaving the show. And, and you know Maya Rudolph comes back and I like Maya Rudolph. You know. I, I like a better Kristen Wiig. I've never found Kristen Wiig funny, but Maya Rudolph, I do, I do like her. But yeah, they just, I, it just seemed like they really value the the that crew from the '90s as much. You know who Maya Rudolph's mother is? Who? Minnie Ripperton. I don't do know. Do you remember her? Mm. She's. She, I think she has the record for like the highest note ever sung. Oh really? Uh, yeah, that song. Um, Mm -hmm. la, 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 la. That song or no? La, 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 la. Yeah, that one. Oh, did they use that song? <laughs> yeah, there was a, one of the early Loving episodes. You, that's the name of the yeah. song. Yeah, in la, South Park. And she goes way up. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of that song, I think she's saying Maya Maya. Oh, really? Yeah, that, yeah. That's her mother. I did not know that. Angel no. voice. Yeah. Uh, okay, any others, Cole, that you see that we should highlight before we have to skip out? We have to make it an early night. You guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. Thank the chat. Everyone's been yeah. great, been popping. Yeah, people were talking about how now when they do Trump, here, Scott Miller says, they don't want to make fun of Trump. They want you to know how much they hate him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the flavor. The flavor mm -hmm. is not, let's all laugh together mm -hmm. at this Trump impression. It's we want to virtue signal to you how much we despise this man, which and, isn't funny. And it's always weird too. Like I understand, you know, Trump would say some dumb things from time to time, but here's the thing. A lot of people who hate him so much want to even acknowledge that he was funny, like funny intentionally. Cause like, if you've ever watched him do his rallies. Like he's an entertainer. He knows how to handle the crowd. He's got great comedic timing. Remember the, uh, was it one of the debates? Uh, the Republican debates in 2016, uh, where Megyn Kelly, I think, asked him something about uh, Rosie Mc, uh, Rosie O'Donnell or oh, calling women. fat women or something women. Yeah. And he was like, no, just Rosie O'Donnell. Like, I remember watching that and breaking down laughing. The time, it was just so perfect. I was like, was this pre-scripted? This is hilarious, man. But it's like, said, they don't acknowledge that. The guy's got comedic timing. Come on. Yeah, she was trying to ask him about, uh, because the... See, now I wasn't laughing at this back then because I was mm. still in the cult. And I was one of these people, I have old Facebook posts where I was calling out his misogyny, like about stuff like that, right? And that's what she was trying to do. She was trying to have a gotcha moment and, and talk about his misogyny. And she said something like, you call women fat pigs. And he said, nope, not all women, just Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> That's good comedic timing, yeah, though. I can I can look back at that now in retrospect. I had to laugh at all the Trump stuff a couple years late. Then yeah. I found all these YouTube clips and was like, I never knew. I never knew he was funny. <laughs> sprockets, yes. Sprockets, yeah. They almost made a Sprockets movie. Like, it was in development. Something happened. They ended up not doing it. But uh, the plot would be that uh, Dita uh, loses his monkey. And so he goes to America looking for his monkey. Oh, 
<laughs> if they did that now, they would make them black women. Yeah, probably. Have you have you watched any of the? I mean, I guess the last Saturday Life movie was MacGruber, but have you? They haven't made a whole lot. I mean, it's like MacGruber for that ladies' man superstar. No, I didn't uh, even know they made a MacGruber. I, I haven't. Yeah, and the TV series is coming out too. Yeah, yeah I've completely unplugged from SNL because oh, yeah. of what's happened to it. I I really only see these if somebody's posting about it on Twitter or something. It's like, okay, let me look at this terrible sketch. <laughs> yeah. Or or let me be pleasantly surprised with that that one about the shot recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But yeah, like when we talk about the comedy movies and and we're speculating as to all the reasons why comedy movies have kind of declined. It's I also look at Saturday Night Live and look at how it's not producing the on screen talent that it used to. Because you think about the original cast, how many of them went on to be big movie stars? Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi would have if he didn't die. Uh, you had Eddie Murphy and of course Martin Short, Billy Crystal, and then you know. Yeah, Chevy Chase, uh, and you had uh, Adam Sandler, and Chris Frawley was starting to, and then unfortunately he died. But and then when you had Will Ferrell, and then after that, uh, it looked like Kristen Wake was going to be kind of that after Bridesmaid. Nothing came about it. Tina Fey had some some success, obviously with Thirty Rock, and you know, she wrote Mean Girls. But outside of that, nothing. There just there hasn't been any kind of crossover success of any of the main players in Saturday Night Live in a long time. Right. Not the kind of movie star status that someone mm -hmm. like Eddie Murphy reached, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. We are calling it a short night. If it's your first time here, this is a live show we do every Wednesday night called Popped Culture. And Mr. Chris and I just hang out and talk about entertainment and different topics. If you have topics you want to suggest, you can put them in the comments below. Um, this is also, this is a new channel. It's called Deprogrammed. If it's your first time here, hit subscribe. And we've got one final super chat, and then I have to run. Uh, Doc Savage, $5. Do any of you guys remember when Trump told reporters he was the chosen one when he was dealing with China? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. Say what you will, but Trump was funny. That's really, that's hilarious. Yeah. It makes me, I don't remember that. No. And also, I saw uh, someone in chat, uh, Scott Miller, I think, said Tim Meadows is underrated. Yes, I love Tim Meadows, oh, one of my favorites. He was great. Yeah. I love, uh, what was it, uh, Lionel, uh, I forget the last name, where he'd do this skit of this guy who'd have the show at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he's like, welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Lionel. It's 3.45 in the a.m. <laughs> welcome to <laughs> and it would be so disconnected from, like, people on the show, like David Wayne's played like this, like, really pro-black muslim guy and he's like the revolution's gonna start and he's like oh, what what time do you think this revolution's gonna start he's like well i mean now he's like so he's like it might be sunday at five o'clock <laughs> he's like no no now blood's gonna run the streets like okay sounds good you've been watching perspectives <laughs> it's great skit. i don't remember that one see the oh, show is longer we could pull it up and watch it but yeah we gotta go anyway yeah gotta thank go. you guys for hanging out mr chris yeah thank you thank you to the chat you know, guys have been awesome Cool. We'll check you. We'll, 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 well, you're going to be traveling next week, right? I we'll will. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll pre-record something. Yeah. Okay. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye.